live. What is up? What's Hello, up, people. I actually made coffee on? this time. Oh, shit. Me too. Let's talk I, about this coffee I got. Okay. I genuinely oh, go needed it today. I was in, I was in like midday, like I just ate four crispy taco nap time, sort of like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, oh I yeah. know what you mean. That'll do it. Yeah. I, well, for the first time this week, I didn't do Pete's this morning, uh, but I don't know oh, what okay. brand of coffee it was. I went out to breakfast with my mother. And oh, whatever nice. coffee they gave me was delicious. It was definitely a lighter roast. It was very floral, very fruity, very caffeinated. But I have no idea what it was. Sometimes well, it's refreshing, though. Yeah. Yeah. I like So, it. Owen stopped by. Um, that son of and, a bitch. <laughs> yeah. So, his um, it, it, it's, it's awesome having um, his soon-to-be wife, fiancé, uh, be involved in the veterinary side of things because if you want a, an opinion on something, uh, you can very easily uh, send O in a box. Well, I can send O in a box. I'm not saying other people to send O in a box because this is where <laughs> this coffee came from. But anyway, he dropped off um, uh, the – I had – the Brisbane Coastal I had, the mail, developed this thing on its – it's like by its eye where its face would swell and swell up in the front. And um, turns out that something with the tear duct is not lined up mm. right. So the tear is the, the eye is draining into this part. Oh, uh, Riley yeah. is very aware. He knows. Yes. So you got to sort of like, uh, you know, uh, drain it. Which mm -hmm. um, Hopefully yeah. that works. That's like the, the path of least resistance. Sometimes that cures it. Sometimes it's a. Uh, it's a, that's a symptom of a, a further up issue. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you remember when I had Brian Cusco's uh, um, Motley Golden Child retic Jr. for several months here because I'm close to Davis and he is not. So I was taking right. it to Davis every month for its visits and meanwhile giving it injections every day, sometimes two injections a day uh, because right. it had the same thing. It had a oral lacrimal duct uh infection or blockage that caused swelling under the spectacle in the eye and then swelling around the the general orbital area and uh -huh. multiple draining and everything and, and uh subsections it didn't it didn't resolve itself so they ended up having to like go in there and like remove the gland and like pull it out and drains yeah. and all this stuff and yeah he oh, lived wow. right here um for like several months in fact, the the first night his cage was here, I for, I wasn't used to having a a cage in the middle of the floor, and I walked in the middle of the night barefoot, kicked it, and broke my toe. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Which toe? So, uh, it was the the furthest, the oh. next to the pinky toe on my oh. right foot. It already was like broken several times from skateboarding, so it already had like this thing, but now it's like a claw. You know what I mean? Like it's. Gross. Good. Wow. Yeah. Right. <laughs> anyway, back to the coffee. Okay. So, uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, they drained it, uh, or I should say, probably Melissa drained it, not Owen. But um, uh, and it seems that uh, if you know, she said it might come back, it might not come back. You know, keep an eye on it. If it comes back, yeah. try draining it again, see what happens. Blah blah blah. Anyway, he brought that, um, and why he came. Apparently, there's a, an NPR listener that. Um, 
really knows how much Owen enjoys um, Bigfoot. Apparently, and he sent some some Bigfoot. I don't know coffee. where they would get that. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's quite delicious. <laughs> yeah. Ah, so, it's good. What's, what's our uh, what's the roast there? Uh, let's see. It doesn't say. It says Honduras. Um, uh, 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 Carlos Castro. Come on, <laughs> dude. Really? <laughs> uh, Orange blossom, honey, chocolate, juicy. Ooh. Um, I don't taste any of that. <laughs> <laughs> I just taste coffee. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it doesn't say what kind of roast it is, though. I'm All surprised. Right. It's just Bigfoot. Bigfoot. Coffee Company. So there you go. He also brought me this book that completes the set, which is very nice. Ah, Lizards of Western Australia, Dragons and Monitors. This is by Store. Store. Store, Smith, and Johnstone. Sweet. Yeah, that's the coffee I'm sipping on tonight, even though it's 7 o'clock at night over here on the East Coast. Excellent. I'm having myself EMT. (laughs) Because it's ah, Friday, there baby. <laughs> there you go. Bigfoot special roast. Oh, okay. It's it's okay. my Sunday, Lucas. Actually, yeah, I, I work tomorrow, but whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Tomorrow's my Monday. <laughs> I can pretend that Fridays are still nice. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Yeah. So what what you guys up to? Your parents stuff yet? What what's what's going on? You best believe. Yep. Oh yes. Yeah. Mostly, Owens Womas. The Western Blackheads and the Jungles. Uh-huh. Those are my winter breeders. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. You're, the, you're ahead of me. Well, I mean, we had that big storm come through, like we were talking about last time. So I just started cooling and burning right. early because sure. I, I don't know. I just I couldn't not utilize an atmospheric river event that set no. records. <laughs> so hey, nothing wrong um, with that. The blackheads, I've seen a couple locks and a lot of spurring. I know with them, that doesn't really mean a whole lot. They're not a species that is shy about locking up, but it's trickier for that to turn into actual ovulations. So we'll see. But uh, yeah, you guys know how much the jungles have been locking up. Oh, yeah. Holy shit, man. That's that's crazy. I I messed with the girl a little bit today just because I was removing the male and I, you know, I kind of palpated a little bit i didn't feel follicles or anything but it's it's who knows <laughs> still plenty 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 early yeah, early yet so yeah i was i was listening to the npr breeding episode part one earlier and it makes me think about how you guys are talking about the breeding early and sometimes how that can can I know I heard that part and I was like, shit. (laughs) Well, I've had it happen, dude. I've had it happen. I've fallen for I've fallen for the the pre-op swelling and 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 been like good and like pulled the mail and like got goose egg, obviously. Yeah. Um that was that was like seven (laughs) years ago. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It happens. Yeah, but uh Yeah, I mean, you're getting a different weather pattern than I am over here. So you're starting when your weather tells you to start. So, Yeah, for sure. And I mean, first year for me really doing a winter breeding cycle, Mm -hmm. you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. You've been doing your your centralians. With the brettles, I just stayed on Nick's schedule so that the animals didn't have to adjust to a new schedule. And he's a late 
cooler. So mm-hmm. I don't mess mm-hmm. with them till the end of December for the most part. Um, mm. Yeah. So I don't know. I figured try the, the holiday uh, benchmark strategy for everybody else. And then <laughs> that way yeah. it can be yeah. more engaged for a longer period of time too. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's kind of what we've I been want- doing at the shop is the first rain around Halloween, start pairing stuff. And yeah, uh, like with the exception of the ring pythons, ring pythons have been going for a little while and our females in her uh, post-op shed, I believe. So nice. The, the friendly they, one, right? Well, yeah, we had to euthanize the one that uh, had the, the, the paralysis in the lower half. That's it, right. After yeah. two, two years, it wasn't getting better and it was causing shed issues, mobility issues, bowel movement issues. Mm. Uh, she was very upset. So I would imagine there was a high amount of stress and at least some discomfort. So, um, yeah, so... So we got a couple of questions that pop yeah. up in the chat here. We'll shoot one. for the one from Joan first. Uh, so quick question for you guys. Do you take heat off of the hatchlings? Uh, I have just a few juveniles that will be cool, but not sure what to do with my youngest. I'll go first with this one because yeah. my approach is kind of um, not the norm. Um, I do not give I, – I put the the – new babies from that year or whatever they go through the same process that i do for all of my snakes they're all in one room they all get cooled down um i don't know my my thought is is that if you're taking carpet pythons and i'm just going to assume that we're talking carpet pythons if you take them down to 70 degrees at night that's really not that cold so mm-hmm. you know i i don't i don't know um you know uh, me and Justin had talked about this uh, on one of our trips, but you know he did bring up a good point that made me think about it. But like I, my thought was is that if they're in the wild, they're going to go through the same weather um, as the adults. But and I guess prey availability. Think, sure. So yeah. I guess the thought would be, but where are they at, and what are they doing? And there's not a whole lot of studies that have been done on you know where baby carpets are. So are they using, you know, micro habitats to sort of stay at a certain temperature or, you know, uh, is, is in those micro habitats or special prey available. But I find that in our case, we're trying to breed snakes or you're trying to keep snakes healthy in your room. Why not? Ex- why, why do you wait until, you know, X time to expose them to temperature drops and stuff? I always just felt that it's sort of, would lead you up to problems because that animal is getting a shock to its system as opposed to if, it, if it's been that way since it's been born, what would, or hatch, what would be the difference? I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, I do. I do pretty much the same thing. I give them a, a night drop to let it drop to what the room does. Let them feel that, that cold, um, the daytime they get some heat, but otherwise they experience the same the same cycle, photo period, food availability as the adults in here. So yeah, cycle everything just the same. Yeah, and for me, I mean, again, this is going to be my first winter having a bunch of babies here. Um, they are all brettles, so I'm not concerned about cold. <laughs> so they will certainly get a bit of a drop. I'm not going to completely cut heat tape at night, but 
you know, the way that my baby racks are anyway, the, the ambient is pretty much just the room, you know, it's just a very small little yeah. sliver of heat tape. So they're definitely going to feel some cold. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think there's a couple things you th- should think about just, um, my thoughts with, if you're going to expose animals to colder temperatures and you might be worried about them or whatever. Um, I put a fail safe on it probably to Lucas's point, right? You know, my thermostat on that baby rack, so to speak, is at set at, at that 70. So if for some reason the temperature would drop even lower than that, you know, I guess here on the East coast, if it's 22 degrees outside, the room might go down to 50 or, you know, who knows how low it goes. I don't know. But, um, Maybe give them a hide. Um, make sure that they have, uh, you know, if you want to put some sphagnum moss or something sort of so uh-huh. they can get in there and sort of help uh-huh. retain some heat or whatever. Um, make sure that they get uh, adequate heat during the day, right, so that they can warm up and thermoregulate and get their system going. And then, uh, you know, um, yeah. the other yeah. thing is, is that don't feed big meals <laughs> during this time. If, if at, at all. At all. Yeah, you know, um, I've made that mistake and it did not end good. No, so. it doesn't. It doesn't suit them well. They'll regurgitate right. or rot it out and die, for sure. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that I learned, like if in the early in the first season of NPR, we talked to Terry <laughs> Phillip, right? Terry Phillips' whole thing was is that he would keep everything at an 80 degree ambient temperature and you know i think one of the mistakes that myself and a lot of others did at at sort of applying that is that you're looking at one little section of what he does and you're not you know doing his whole system right so how he feeds is sort of relevant to his temperatures right so if you're still feeding heavy big meals stuff like that you have to provide something so that they can digest those mm-hmm. meals. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like, right. I think sometimes people pick and choose from, from those things and they don't sort of look at the, the whole picture, if you will, of what you're supposed to be doing. So, yeah. Sure. Yeah. It's a great sure. point. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. And then we've got that, uh, Sean Porter having issues currently with mites. Uh Oh, so sorry. <laughs> That's yeah. not fun. Uh, what's yeah. your go-to not- method of getting rid of them? Uh, as, right now using frontline to solve the issue um so luckily knock on everything around me i haven't had mites at home yet uh, but of course i have dealt with them at work uh at the vivarium and so the go-to <laughs> method there is definitely um a one-two wombo combo of uh a flea and tick powder that we purchase as well as uh prevent a mite spray um because what's this stuff called perith Permethrin. 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 Bug killer, yeah. bad chemical, toxic, does good job. So <laughs> if you really don't want to mess around, that's a good way to do it. Just make sure you follow instructions on the can. Remove the water. Make sure you ventilate, ventilate the hell out of where hell. you're doing it. Yes, exactly. Like treat it as if it's deadly because it is, but that's also it why it um, That's yeah. my sense. So... I I've I've had to deal with it in my personal collection over the last 15 years or whatever twice and my prevention and treatment method here is the same as it is at the shop uh, of course as anybody knows it's really difficult to maintain quarantine protocols on the shop with so much in and out 
Um, so it happens, right? So, but that's where that's prevention protocols, treatment, cross-contamination mindset, and a lot of other things come into play. So what, if it does happen, I can catch it and nip it in the butt and actually curb it and eliminate it in three weeks. Um, that's my personal record, uh, from finding, uh, a small mite outbreak to full blown, like contagion onto animals to eradication three weeks. I've, I've handled it. Um, if you catch it early enough, but generally consider it a six week treatment period. And like Lucas, I do the preventamite, but I also like to do a, um, a bit of like a dip bath with the every animal and kind of run them through my hands. And instead of using frontline, I use like a nature guard uh, or a nature. I don't even know the, the company name. It's like this little clear bottle. Um, it's basically a mic guard. Right. Um, and I dilute that and I, you know, just give every animal a little quick soak run through and then look them over. And if I see any, I handle it and, and then just do that every week, keep them sterile, keep them on paper. Um, when you yeah. use the preventamite, what you need to do is you need to spray the enclosure from about a, a 12 inch distance, the enclosure or surface or tub or whatever from roughly a foot and kind of give it a good once over, but do it in a way that it's ventilated. Don't do it in a closed room. Make sure you've got fans going windows open. If you can do it outside even better. Um, and then let it sit and dry for a bit and then don't put the water in for a full 24 hours. If it's an animal that, you know, can handle that because if that's aerosolized and then it gets in the water and they drink it and they ingest that, that's a big problem. So right. the, <laughs> my most recent dealings with this, I had to, uh, as a preventative do an entire room with like 170 different snakes because I found it on two animals, right? So I, I did this exact treatment over the course of uh, three weeks and got it all banged out. But the, the first two days of treatment, because it took me two days, the first go around, because I was pulling stuff off substrate and replacing it on paper, cleaning, doing the whole entire room. The first mm -hmm. two days with the, the big roll-up door open, multiple doors open, a fan going, the amount of permethrin and, and treatment used, even in that situation, gave me the jag wobbles. Um, I know what a jag feels like when it's having a neuro experience now. I uh, oh wow, yeah, I I borderline cooked my brain a little bit. I've I've seen it in snakes when they've been exposed to too much of the preventamite permethrin, and they they start doing the or they like full on flip over, or they just have a little head twitch. And right. uh, I, I felt this feeling in the back of my head where I was like, what the hell is going on? Like, I couldn't stand <laughs> wow. up straight, dude, for like two days. Yeah, I'm dead serious. Um, and, and back in Santa Barbara, one of the times I had my first real mite outbreak, I treated the whole room, did a nine-hour, like, full dip and treat everything. And the next morning I woke up. Uh, and I had bled from my nose profusely all over my pillow, like in the middle of the, the night in my sleep, just bled out of my nose, like a shit ton of blood everywhere, just from using the preventamite and that dip stuff. The dip isn't the problem. It's the preventamite and the ventilation. Yeah. So, it should um, not be taken lightly. But that being said, why, it is very effective. 
Yeah, it kills the hell out of mites, but I probably <laughs> took a few years off my life. I'm dead sure. So yeah. why do you guys use the preventamine as opposed to just going like the front? You don't feel that the front line is as effective or it's just not? What's your... Well, again, personally, I, I haven't had to deal with it at home yet. So I'm just kind mm -hmm. of following the protocols that were already in place for me at work. So not quite my okay. call, not really my decision. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Um, gotcha. I'm I'm familiar with the frontline method. I, I remember when Stephen Katz was uh, initially quite vocal about that, and I've seen people use it quite effectively. Um, so I know it can be done very effectively. I've also heard you know, some of the, the bad sides of that, but I've also heard the bad sides of using permethrin and, and preventamite because of misapplication and misuse. So I think either can be done improperly and properly. I've just always done preventamite because that's just what's been available to me. It's been, you know, it's much more affordable, although it's gone up in price these days. Uh, I can get, you know, some cans for like, 20 25 bucks as opposed to a thing of frontline for 50 and it's like this big um okay. i know and a little goes a long way but yeah so but that's what i do i just do that every week for the first three weeks and that usually nips it in the bud pretty quick um, so do you apply the preventamite every time you do that go around every week uh so the first treatment everybody gets it yeah. right the second treatment only the, the bins, tubs, or enclosures where I visually see live mites get the spray. That, But everybody okay. gets a full clean um, and disinfection and then a dip. And then the third week, uh, it's, it's an only as needed on the spray or the dip. Because usually by the third week, gotcha. you've had enough stages go through. Like if you catch it really early... And you're right. not starting with several stages already having like gotten established. You can get it done mm -hmm. in three weeks. If you're catching it late, six weeks. And then you're probably going to want to use the spray for the first two, maybe three weeks. And then rely on the dip and, and sort of an oil treatment following. It, don't be surprised if your snake scales look kind of funny for the first week or two after you're done with all this. And then they shed it out and it goes back to normal. But... Yeah, I mean, so, sometimes you got to get under those scales. Some of the stages of mites do not uh, submit to the permethrin at different stages. So, mm -hmm. right, gotcha. So that I think that's that's probably the key that I hear most people, you know, talk about is that you gotta you gotta get it. I think people think that you can just apply it and then it's a done deal, but like you, you don't realize the eggs, the hatching, the you know, all the different life cycles of right. Life. Mm -hmm. Which but you is gotta why be you careful. Have to do a few different yeah. yeah. And you gotta be careful not to not to kill your snakes. Right. You know. Are you guys hearing interesting sounds? Clicky clicky? Yeah. Click, yeah, yeah, yeah. Clicky. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. My my brother's calling me. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> Hello, brother. Hello, Riley's brother. <laughs> Welcome to Carpets and yeah. Coffee. What What are you drinking? <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. I, so let me ask this question just because mm -hmm. I'm going to pretend like I'm one of the people in the chat and, uh, you know, Sean here. And uh, so when you guys like uh, what would you say is a time frame to um, spray and let it ventilate out? Are you talking like 10 minutes, 15 minutes? What, what's your thoughts? 
five minutes. So if I'm not mistaken on the can, I think the recommendation is to do one second of spray per square foot from like 14 inches, inches away. So you're really okay. not spraying that much of this stuff. Um, right. When I and I do use it at home. Don't get me wrong. Even though I haven't had right. mites, I always sure. use it as a preventative when new animals come in. Hence, hence, preventive hence the name. Exactly. <laughs> so right. when I'm spraying it here for a quarantine bin, I spray it on my balcony on paper towel. Um, I don't mm -hmm. have like a yard. So that's my outdoor space is apartment balcony. Right. And then I right. just leave it out there for like 10, 15 minutes so that when I bring it back in, I know it's dry. Um, but I'm uh, never spraying can, the can in my home. <laughs> right. Can you spray the paper and not the, let's say you're using a tub. Can you spray the paper and not the tub and still have it be as an effect as effective? Probably. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. All right. Fair enough. What about Riley's baby? Kill his thermostat. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's just frozen. Babies. Babies, babies, babies. I've I have used it with babies. I haven't had issues. Doesn't matter. Okay. Right. I think the the main deal is as long as it's dry, it doesn't pose a risk to a snake. Right. Um, but that's you just have to be careful because if it is ingested, it can absolutely pose problems to, problem. to snake <laughs> right. or not properly ventilated, like Riley's been been talking about. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Oh man, we got all kinds of questions going here. Uh, yes, Strapurus. Yes, that's coming soon. Hopefully, at one point. I love those geckos. Amazing. Those are pretty cool. Yeah. So I will. I will be adding them at some point, Christopher. No doubt. Um, do you guys feed undersized meals more often to get maximum growth out of your hatchlings? No. Undersized meals. No. 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 I do. Uh, every two weeks, typically, uh, a meal that leaves a good belly lump for baby carpets up to however, you know, sometimes I'll even spread it out further. But as, as neonates, fresh hatchlings after the first four weeks after their first shed, typically they're getting fed every two weeks. And that's kind of my system for the first year. Um, I try to give them something good sized and give them time to digest it, have a bowel movement, relax for a few days, let their, their innards, their whole biology rest for a bit before even considering another meal. So usually 14 days, big meal. Yeah. Um, I kind of do, I pretty much do the same. Yeah, me as well. Um, I kind of, I'm just constantly cringing at the recommendation to feed pythons weekly after learning more about snake digestion and the physiological <laughs> processes therein. You don't oh, need yeah. to do that. I don't oh, care. dude. You're yeah, okay. I'm right there with you, man. After hearing, what is it, Dr. Loafman and Travis Wyman and everybody talking Remember about Remember the episode we did with Josh Parker? Oh, yeah. We talked about snake digestion. That yes. is a real eye opener for me as far that as that one was that huge. That one got yeah. real technical and almost over my head for most of it. But I, I, the gist of it was there. We overfeed. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, um, and thus, thus, uh, supporting the, uh, the winter break of no food, you know, give everything weird. a little bit of a break. Although I will say the only snakes that, uh, I do feed even through the winter through breeding and everything are the rainbows 
uh in the kribos i'll feed sparingly but like i shut them down for the most part but like just once in a while give them a, a meal in between pairing sort of a deal but mm-hmm. i want the male focused and not feeding but that's <laughs> a short window yeah. for them and then right. otherwise everything yeah from here till february is off the of food so. yeah i'll right. probably keep feeding falsies but other than that i'm in the same boat as you yeah, you got to make exceptions for the ones whose natural history supports that as much as you want to, you know, support the 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 trigger for breeding of cycle feeding. Some species, it's not necessary, nor appropriate, nor natural. And the, you know, colubroid dipsatid digestion mm-hmm. mechanism is probably worlds apart from old world pythons <laughs> yeah. yeah definitely i'm definitely. just not smart enough to say how <laughs> right we we've um, had other people say it out there in very technical terms we're just giving them the yes this yes. guy's what he said <laughs> what that cliff said. notes version <laughs> yeah yeah uh this is for you riley do you keep your do ring i python? keep ring pythons similar to, to rainbow boas um yes but a warmer hot spot um the the ring pythons they do like more of a a cool swing a little bit the rainbows i give them a similar cool swing i just don't go quite as dramatic but yeah they're not too different they they have very thin skin and they're prone to dry sheds uh in in low humidity so in that regards their humidity maintenance is pretty similar but otherwise um slightly slightly warmer on the hot end that's it um yeah here's something that i don't know if um you guys have ever uh so uh can like the mites what are they predatory mites i guess um tars oh yeah i've heard of that before buy some mites to fight some mites yeah, yeah, I've heard that of that. That sounds like an Australia problem. How do we get rid of these? <laughs> yeah, and I've heard other people like uh, theorize like, oh, just get a bunch of ladybugs. I'm like, well, that sounds like another infestation <laughs> I don't want to deal with. I no, don't thank want you. bugs. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, the only I bugs it's... that I want around here are the, the feeders and my tarantulas and stuff. Other bugs are not invited. Thank you. Right. <laughs> hundred percent yeah oh man that's nuts yeah mites are not fun uh, i've dealt with them a couple times and they are not uh they're not fun to deal with at all and um yeah. it happens but, though you know like it's gonna happen you know yeah it i is. think i think the community stigma around things like that yeah. causes pervasive misinformation and and just like keeps problems alive whereas People are just open about it and yeah. just help help somebody out and just be like, look, here's what, yeah. I, you know, I've had 100%. it. 100%. And like, it's all don't, good. don't blame the keeper. Like, it's, yeah. you know, it. that's just, that's not productive in any way. And like, I'm yeah. stoked. It's besides when, the issue. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, you, you got to just be open about it. Like, I've had multiple instances where I've bought snakes from somebody and they call me, you know, a week or a month later and say, oops, you know. I got mites, check your stuff. And like, I appreciate that. Like I'd much rather hear that and know than have right. to find out. So you can be road. on the defense. Right. Yeah. Or catch it early. Yeah. Yeah. There shouldn't sure. be a stigma for something as common as that. Yeah. 
So where I have gotten mites, believe it or not, have has been from Carpet Fest. Yeah. Um, <laughs> people come in yeah. visiting your room after a show, right? Yeah. 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 I remember yeah. hearing about that. From me. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Taurus mites, when they've eaten all the blood mites, they'll start eating their own. Wow. They <laughs> just that's gnarly. gnarly. That's, These things that's sound cool. like some pretty badass that's mice. Savage. That's <laughs> really <laughs> savage. <laughs> we need to train an army of them to fight mosquitoes. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, for sure. We get some flying assassin bugs. There you go. That sounds terrifying. Who don't do that? Whoever's listening to me that has the ability to don't do that. <laughs> Holy shit! Sketchy. You can get it right on Amazon. The mice. So I'm curious. Yeah. Oh look! <laughs> swear to God, I'm gonna show you. Amazon Prime mites. <laughs> Need an infestation in just, 24 now, hours? Now everyone's just gonna say they got mites from Amazon. Wow. Live prep. What the shit? <laughs> what the hell? I tell you, it's only 40 bucks. <laughs> Ew. Dude, that makes my skin crawl. Yeah. I think I'll pass. I Somebody like else it. can try it and tell me how it goes. Uh, yeah. Do, do they eat ants? So, somebody else do that. That's, yeah. that's creepy. Yeah, I don't invite mites of any sort. What is society, though? When they have eaten all the blood mites, they will start eating their own until there are none left. Well, there will be one left, and he is the winner. <laughs> He's Whoever's the last mite standing clearly ate everybody else. Wow. That's crazy. It's like Lord of the Flies. <laughs> you can Lord get a whole bunch mites. of different kind of mites. There's some for a mix. <laughs> well, hey, these mites are balding. Right. Predator really? mites, five to, five to ten mites per square foot. These mites are natural biological control agents, two-spotted spider mites, broad mites, russet mites, rust mites, and more. Release every other week until infestation subsides. <laughs> you heard it here. Not for children. Maybe a choking hazard. <laughs> the mites? The That's mites are says. a choking hazard? I don't know. Oh man, that's kind of uh, you know crazy. that label's on there because somebody's kid choked on that. Yeah, it couldn't have been on the bug. Um, they're wow. tiny. <laughs> that's crazy. Oh man, I don't like bugs. You guys know I don't like bugs. Yeah, let's yeah. stop saying the M word. Yeah, right. <laughs> Move along. You, they're gonna summon them. You give me the heebie-jeebies. Yeah, <laughs> I I constantly have the heebie-jeebies because. I work at a big facility that always has something going on just by pure statistics and volume, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, like that's it. what happens when you bring in imports or yeah. boarding people's animals or trades or. Exactly. You know, it's going to happen. Volume and in numbers. We need to acknowledge that and not be ostrich head in the sand about it. <laughs> So, <laughs> margaritas and mites. Oh, God. No, thank you. Welcome I'm gonna to margaritas and mites. I mean, yeah. I'm going to go sit in a pool until I feel clean. It could just as easily Bleach. be margaritas uh, and Morelia. Yeah, yeah, that's better. Margaritas, Morelia, and mites. <laughs> oh, the trifecta. You know, the more like we say the time. M word, the more our viewership goes down. 
Oh, good, lot. good. Yeah. Really? Yeah. We've been watching people leave. Yeah. <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs> I can't even listen they? to the word. <laughs> Horrible. Mites oh, upon man, thy houses if you if you leave the street. Right, right. Oh, Jeff. See, Jeff, he uh he he hosted Carpet Fest. Um, what kind of Did protocol you them, can Jeff? you do if you're hosting an event like Carpet Fest to prevent mites? Not Did let you... anybody in your room. Did Gendra <laughs> well, get mites. So... So Jeff, there, there's a uh, kind of like an unspoken common courtesy rule amongst the community that before you go to somebody else's collection, you don't go rummage about your collection and do things and then just go straight to theirs. Or you don't go from a show and go straight to theirs. Like, that's yeah. just common sense. Or a freaking now, show. <laughs> well, yeah, if you're at a show, I mean, you're screwed. <laughs> if you're at a show like you, you there is no well, that's protocol. what happened yeah that's yeah, how it that, goes that's what happened yeah that's they how went it goes to Hamburg, probably got on somebody's shoe or somebody's shirt or you know it wasn't like they uh yeah you know no. people aren't very good at common courtesy are they <laughs> it's never intentional you know yeah, yeah. but like they're you know the the best um way to avoid it is prevention so yeah, like hundred yeah. percent, you want to avoid it. Never bring people over. Never let your animals leave your space. Never bring new animals in. And there you go. Never go see other people's collection. Now that's kind of boring, and that's not that's not you know how this works. We all I mean, communicate. We all then, go see other people's. Get one little sucker on yeah. on a bag of substrate. You know, nobody's immune. Which happens. Them. That is very true. That does happen. That does happen. So. Yeah, but so like, I think what I think I think what it takes is if you have it, just be honest about it and go freaking handle it right away, and don't just put it off and let it spread because that's negligent. Yeah, spray everyone down with preventamide. I have coworkers that spray their bodies, and it makes me so concerned. <laughs> yeah, I've done that. I've done that leaving certain places of yeah reptile zoological business. I walked in once and this one dude was just like, ah, you know, like it's spray on sunscreen. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. no, I'm good. Yeah. I think, I think to your point, right. It's, it's sort of like, um, I know if I was going to really the collections that would be close to me would be like Owen, or if I was going to see Matt or Keith or somebody like that, um, I just don't go in my room uh -huh. before I go to see them. Uh -huh. And I don't go in my room when I come home. Mm -hmm. Correct. You know what I mean? I just know no reason why. And, I, and it's not to say that they have it or whatever. It's just a precaution, you know, and it's just right. like, exactly. you know, it's just it's protocol treated as yeah. like as as hoops to jump through that, you know, just add extra layers of protection. It's just yeah. you do that and make it habit. Then it's just routine. And it's not a big deal. Um, yeah, that's just how it goes. Like. Uh, I, I work at a place with reptiles. So that's a separate collection. Actually, it's two separate collections. And then it's separate from mine. So I have to keep that in mind. You know, I, I don't come in here in the morning and then go straight to work. You know, there's protocol. Right. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I think we've talked uh, about mites enough. Uh, <laughs> we, <laughs> change of course. Yeah, we can we can we can talk about something else, no? Yeah. So let's, uh let's do that. I don't know. What do you guys We got, got into we were we were doing breeding stuff. We were talking about starting pairing things. We got 
have you are you yeah. carrying anything eric i haven't started yet um but uh you know right now i'm sort of i'm sort of at this 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 spot where years ago i would just like oh i got all these projects i want to put stuff together and you know but i think now it's kind of trying to figure out like um what's the priority clutch like what do i want to do and what do i want to produce and um i don't know so there's a couple things that pop out to me one poison ivy to poison ivy right mm-hmm. offspring to see what happens with that um sweet i am convinced that if it is genetic it is similar to the img and boas and i'm sure riley you know how that gene works probably better than i do no uh, you're kind of a yes we we have a few at things. the shop we've got a few at the shop man it's crazy to see it happen right in front of you dude it's not so what what happens when you breed an img to an img Nothing? it's a dominant gene it's a dominant so gene. it's just mm-hmm. yeah there is there is no super form um it's it's 50 percent mode of inheritance to babies and it's just you either get it you don't there it is yeah interestingly enough the female that i have from that clutch the one that i'm gonna put together this season it was uh what like eight males and one female i think is what hatched out of the clutch wild um the males all turn black, dark, just like poison ivy. That female did not. Now she has yeah. a little bit of dark on her. She's darker than like your typical IJ. Um, but um I don't know. So I'm curious to see what happens. So that that's one that's kind of at the top of the list for me. Um I'm curious to see what I, I'm I obviously I want to do uh red coastal to molly ringwall to sort of make a whole bunch more red tigers i think that's something that uh, i'm pretty excited about but i think one that i think is kind of an experiment thing is that i'd like to do red to citrus tiger um because i think kind of my feelings are that um it might work like that red jungle thing that will bird had I think it's probably something along the lines of like if you bred that red to a jungle that you're going to get a similar look. And I think that the citrus tiger being as extreme, especially my female that I would use is, you know, she's so extreme, similar to yours, Riley. She looks just pretty much like yours. Um, I think you're going to get, I think they would be cool. I mean, the caramel, the citrus tiger turned out pretty cool. Oh, dude, my female caramel citrus tiger is electric she's really coming into it now much more like i've been seeing it over the last year and a half or so but like it's different it's very different yeah um and i guess probably the next the next clutch that i would be after would be the uh the russian tigers i think uh to sort of get more of them out there and put Mm -hmm. them in the hands of people that uh would want to work with them but you know there's so many things you know when you have sort of a big group you know riley it's kind of like i don't want to do more than x amount of clutches like five maybe at the tops you know and then yeah um so i want to try to manage it but i want to do stuff that's that i think is going to be cool or something that i sort of want to do and then obviously inlands and diamonds are kind of really uh want to check them off and produce them and see what it's like 
<clears throat> you know, so of course, I don't know. Sort of where I'm at. Yeah, it's it's hard to whittle it down when Morelia is your focus because Morelia is such a broad group on its own. Yeah, because there's so many ways you can go. You know, I didn't even talk about hypo stuff or all these other poplin carpet stuff that that's going on. But that that would probably be the ones that I would most want to want to hit. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm the opposite of Lucas, where I've bred all winter breeders and never bred spring breeders. So I would like yeah. to sort of get that. I can't believe belt. you haven't done brittles yet. You know, I I I get skunked with the the old. Uh, 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 here's a pair. Turns out to be two males or two ah. females. <laughs> it's happened to me multiple times. And you know, brettles or something, you can't just like, you know, turn yeah, one into uh, a girl now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, if that had happened to me, this this male with how small he is, I'd be like, oh, he'll never breed. Or she yeah. will never breed. Sorry. Here's a tiny yeah. Bradley. Who wants her? Go get the tiny Bradley. Look at the tiny Bradley. It's so yeah. tiny. Yeah, tiny. Put yeah. it in your pockets. Yeah. <laughs> That's like a little tea. It's a teacup. A teacup red line. Bites it's a new it in the nipple and rips it off. <laughs> such a so jerk new. sometimes about food. Yeah, some yeah. of the babies I made are not very nice. <laughs> really? <laughs> Yeah, which you know, like it doesn't really matter. But I've I've been getting some inquiries on Morph Market specifically. Like, I'm a fourth grade teacher. I need a friendly one. Is this one friendly? And then I'd go over right. and check the one that they liked, and it's like, bah, 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 bah. It's like, sorry, <laughs> this one is not friendly. But I'm not the other ones that are friendly. But you boop the yeah. snoot to see. Is that the test? You yeah, for sure. Snoots? I mean, just kind of present thy hand and yeah. see <laughs> see what happens. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I kind of shoot myself in the foot a little bit because on like my YouTube videos from years ago or whatever, I'm like, bread lie. They're so nice. They're always so friendly. And now I am going to end up selling some that aren't. And people are going to be like, you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you lied. Yeah, How it, dare it you. is what it is. Everything with it is mouth what it can is. Every, yeah. And they're all individuals and the snake's a snake. So. Yeah. 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 The idea sure. of not getting bit by a python is kind of silly if you think about it. You know? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I agree. And I'm I I got over that. But I also understand where people are coming from, because when I was first getting into this, well, I didn't want to get bit either. <laughs> right. I mean, let's be real. Nobody wants to get bit. You, but like, you get to yeah. a point where you're like, oh, instead of like, ah, <laughs> Dude, yeah. it, it just happens. It just yeah. happens. Yeah. I was getting chewed on by the one white lip at uh, Lisa's house. <laughs> one of the 10 was just a little hellion and was happy to like do the full, like they're intense if they want to be, cause they bite and then they use their own body as leverage to twist around their neck and pull and like yank. And this thing was wow. doing it to me like multiple times. And I was laughing hysterically and like <laughs> yeah. Lisa and, and Kathy were just laughing at me. They're like, what? What kind of response is this? <laughs> yeah. I was just like, this it's is the adorable. response of a man that has been bit many times. <laughs> too many times. Too. It's yeah. just, it is what it is. Like, adults, that is, like, it is what it is, but damn it, that sucks. Babies, it is what it is and shake it off. But, you know, um, yeah. some stuff is, is not pleasant. Like, that four-year-old coastal who grabbed me right on that little pressure point there and, like, bruised my hand all green and purple. Not fun. Yeah, that is what it is, though. <laughs> yeah, no, hundred percent. Um, 
I'm fortunate still that the only thing that I have that bites is that one dickhead Woma and Owens Woma. <laughs> but yeah. Womas are easy because they're so slow and predictable. Like, just don't let the head get close to you and it won't bite you. Tell that yeah. to the female over there. She shot out from like on top of the hide in the back, <laughs> and the corner's like grab me and like. All right, well that hasn't happened to me yet. Yeah, so don't you, t- don't you, tell her that she's all of a sudden child. like, dude. She's all of a sudden superwoman. She's like out for blood. <laughs> yeah, but uh, my baby Aki still likes to bite me, as you guys saw earlier. Today. Oh, that sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's okay. Yeah. They, mine, are, uh, mine are mine are chilling out. They're they're pretty cool. Kimberly's nah. They're they're they love you, man. They're yeah. like the trio of Kims that uh my friend and I are are, are in on together. They're at, at his place, but uh, he sends me a lot of videos and updates, and they're just so freaking cute. Nice uh, and all placid, and they all eat in front of him. They're just confident yeah. little buggers. That's cool, yeah, man. Yeah, the Aggies uh, we have at the shop are chill. The water monitors yeah. that we hatched out, half of them are chill. Half of them will will try and flee pretty quickly. And if mm. you look at them wrong or look away, they'll bite you, dude. Like like mom and dad. You got Rudy, just perfection. And then you got Addy, who's kind of... I can work with Addy. I've actually been petting him, pulling shit less, off of him. Where, right? Yeah. Less friendly. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sketchy. Um, Rudy's a uh, <laughs> I thought this was interesting. Lori was saying that um, mm-hmm. about Bradley or Bradley um, finding differences in the various lines and phenotypes. I've noticed that as well. I I, I would cor- corroborate that. Hypos seems to be the most flighty and bitey in my experience, um, hmm. and I've heard that from other people as well. That the hypo line is a little bit more uh, jumpy, if you will. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. What about Stonewash? Ah, uh, well, my sample size for Stonewash is three, but they're all puppy dog tame. Mine too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah mine are. My Lazic line. Chill. Everything's food <laughs> until it's not. Really? <laughs> wow. Yeah. 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 My my big female, uh, like a year or two ago, uh, bit me in the middle of like one of the OG live stream carpets and coffee. Uh, oh yeah, I heard the about cage, that. <laughs> full on, like grabbed me on the hand and like food wrapped me. Yeah, and I was just like, the- yeah, it's middle of live recording. I was just like, okay. And somebody was like, what does it feel like? I was like, you ever uh, accidentally stapled your hand? Well, it's like that, but like a bunch of times all at once. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Were you giving a speech about how tame they were and everything? <laughs> all of a sudden, smack. <laughs> I, I don't think the topic was regarding their tame behavior. I think it was just right. talking about them. <laughs> right. I gotcha. Yeah. 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 And yeah. that's, uh, those are Lazic line animals. So I don't know what, I don't know what Lori's seen with the Lazic lines. There we go. Lazic seem to be by, okay. That, that explains yeah. why mine are, are yeah. not as trustworthy as others will say. Like Again, I mean, they're, Situations are individuals, but I think it's also fair to say that to an to an extent, to a degree, um, disposition is fairly heritable. You know, like oh sure, especially for some species. Like Loafman tells me that he very clearly sees um, behavioral tendencies being passed down in his water cobras, um, which Hmm. is just pretty neat. Um, So you know, why is that? It's uh, who knows. You know, maybe the hypo line itself has less captive generations, you know, who knows? 
Um, yeah. But you know the, the 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 interesting thing is is like I don't know if you guys have noticed, but well, I think of Riley's <laughs> Poplins. <laughs> Those F ones are just evil, man. <laughs> They're just straight up evil, right? Mm-hmm. But um, the adults, I, I, I'm assuming yours are the same. That you know you got them from Dan and right. They're the ones from Dan, right? That came in from yeah. Dan. Okay, they they were pretty chill, right? Sweethearts. Totally yeah. tame. No hook needed. It seems like as soon as you get that F1. Dude. I don't know. They're man. mean as shit. Yeah. <laughs> They're crazy. pissed. I don't know. Yeah. Like, why Alan wasn't I born in the jungle? <laughs> Alan was Alan was over here the other day and I was, I was showing jungle. <laughs> I was showing Alan like my meanest snake in the room, and it was my female head exanic IJ. And I was like, dude, stand back. I don't know what it is about those, man. <laughs> I, I I will be the first one to tell you anything with Xanic and IJ. Oh man, they are just ah. another level. Holy oh. hell! Well, long term goal takes some visuals to some to to some like second generations, you know, yeah. and then make some heads and see what that does. I mean, I'm gonna have yeah. them forever, so like we'll see what yeah. what some generations do. You know, there are. I think those are the only two carpets in my collection that when I'm like, I'm very, I treat them like I would treat a scrub Python. Like there's just no, <laughs> you know what I mean? There's you, I can hold any other carpet. No problem. Some of them, you know, mm-hmm. some of them are like a little food defensive when you first mm-hmm. open it. Other ones are like, you know, once you get them in your hands, they're cool. Some of them are cool for a little while and then they'll, they'll only take so much. You got to know where the limits are. But yep. these IJs that are head exantic are evil. It's hundred percent evil. hundred percent of the time. If they're awake and you're in their space, they're focused evil. on you like a missile. Yes. They're not pleasant. Yes. Even just their face structure looks evil. Like they look yeah. different than a normal Poplin carpet because they're yeah. just like, I'm just gonna screw up the just devil gonna... in them. Yeah, a little bit. yeah. Holy little bit. hell, man! Wow. Yeah, they're so, they're out for blood for sure. Well, you know, there's there could be something to that. Uh, every morph thing, it's not just a phenotype genes. It's all linked to other stuff, right? So. Yeah, there could be something there. Take the yellow away; it makes you uh, feistier, I guess. Is that? Uh... <laughs> it also took away the joy of life. <laughs> yeah, I used to be no yellow. Sun. Now I'm not. <laughs> How dare you? Uh, yeah, mm. uh, yeah, it's super interesting though. Yeah. yeah. So what do you well, guys and... got going on breeding? Oh, go ahead, go ahead, Lucas. Uh, I maybe beating a, he- a dead horse at this point, but I was going to say, you guys have also talked in the past about how retics used to not be chill at all, but now just with so many decades in- of captive breeding, it's like a completely Good different God, animal. Yeah. Holy hell. Yeah. yeah. I remember in the eighties when my dad first got retics, obviously wild caught. They, they were just, they wanted to kill you and eat you. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is really what it came down to. I mean, it was, yeah, that's what I've heard. Uh, yeah. That's what I've heard. Who knows what we'll be looking at with these kinds of snakes in a, in a few decades if we make it that far. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How about zebra yeah. jags? Um yeah, zebra jags are also I've noticed they're feisty. I think z- zebra um zebra itself is 
full of. I think they're a little bit feisty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you gotta, you gotta be be on it with them. I mean, they like they'll mature, and you can work with some. Like my my one breeder female, she used to be like my most notorious. Like use a hook with her. She's hit me in the open palm twice. Um, but now I can handle her fine. But like all the zebra babies are notoriously way feistier than the, the other jungles. Uh, super zebras as well. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah. but would you guys agree that it's fair to say there's exceptions to every rule? Um, of course. 100%. You know, we don't want 100%. people to think that this is lying no, in the sand, no. you know, like, no, no. I got a zebra. It's yeah. Gonna, it's gonna I would suck. say, <laughs> yeah, I would say that out of all, I mean, I, uh, all the carpets I have, like I said, the only two that really, you know, Again, it's just a matter of knowing that individual and 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 what, how to approach them. I guess you know. I can your state, I can right? pick up all my adult zebras without using a hook. They're not yeah. they're not that bad. So yeah. I always use a hook, not necessarily like I don't pick them up with the hook <laughs> per se, um, but I sort of just get them into the mode of knowing that. Right. I'm coming to pick you up. Like tap training kind of thing. It's another way to communicate. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, like I've got some baby zebras that are the devil. I've got some adults that are chill. I've got some juveniles that just depends on the mode and, and day of the week. And then I've got some coastals from my good buddy Travis at Living Legless that are just as bad as those uh, head exanic IJs. So, yeah. <laughs> Do you got, here's a question. So, um, with blood pythons, right? Short tail pythons in general, um, you know, in the early days that they would get them and they were, you know, vicious. So, well, you know, I say vicious, I'm, I'm being a little <laughs> exaggerating, it a bit, but like, For sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. Snappy, you know, uh, not something that you could necessarily, uh, not laid back without getting nailed right yeah. um but um they found that they were keeping them too hot in the early mm -hmm. days and they sort of adjusted that and then that temperament changed so mm -hmm. i wonder i remember in the early so when i was first getting in the carpet mm -hmm. pythons and say like 2007 mm -hmm. let's say 2006 somewhere in that area um the common way to keep a carpet python at that point was your standard python way to approach things 90 degree hot spot 85 degree ambient temperature which is way too hot in Jesus. my opinion <laughs> yeah. yes right but that's how you did it i remember talking with luke snell about how he used to keep 85 hot spot and he's like, yo, man, I'm just going to tell you, people are keeping these things just way too hot. Now, he worked with mostly IJs so that, you know, I guess even then you'd probably approach it more like a chondro since uh, they are from where they are. But um, that's sort of how he did it. And he had huge success. So I wonder if it's if if it could be just a thought, maybe temperature uh, can play a factor in uh, feistiness. I don't know. Maybe they're well, more turned on or aggravated or certainly uh, perhaps an agitation response. I think that's that's absolutely within the realm of possibility. And plus, if something's excessively hot, it has, like you said, more 
kinetic energy to be like striking yeah. nonstop. <laughs> and, right. Especially if it's yeah. pissed off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just I just had a customer actually come in and tell me that her first pet snake, which happens to be a T paws albino matrix blood python, um, a little baby she got in. She's had it for a month. She's keeping it with like a ninety-five degree hot spot and like she's like, Oh, the thing's like cruising around and trying to climb up the walls. I thought it was happy. I was like, Dear Lord, that's a blood python. That thing shouldn't be moving at all. <laughs> it's trying and to run. Oh, dude. She's like, it won't eat. And I've already force fed it and assist fed it three oh, times. Geez. I've had it for a month. And I'm like, oh, wow. Uh, like, you should not have that snake. I'm sorry. Oh, man. Uh, well, hopefully they'll get... be receptive. Receptive. Well, learner. she was. I mean, I corrected. I corrected her husband. And she was shocked that she was like, oh, my gosh. I was like, well, I so, can't believe everything you read on the Internet. So most. So here's a question. Yeah, here's a question for you guys that deal with the retail side of things, right? Um, do you find that, like, what's the percentage of people that are coming into the shop that have that sort of mindset when it comes to reptiles? Like, they, they, the mindset they this that is of, of the misinformation type of thing. Incorrect. Like, correct. And, uh, and where are they getting this from? Yeah, well, that's a great question. Facebook. I would say I know, but nine out of ten. The majority of folks think at least seventy five percent. Yeah, hundred percent. Wow. The majority of folks think got it wrong. That need, yeah. things need to be yeah too hot. Things need to eat too often. Mm -hmm. You know, just all we the get, dude, We get customers getting like super upset with us when we like tell them like, no, you can't, you can't buy that boa and put it in that little tarantula enclosure. Like that's yeah, not okay. Yeah. yeah, they lose their shit. Like, I have coworkers no. that get mad at me when I tell people that their ball pythons don't need a time. You know that it's okay to put a ball python in something bigger than a CB seventy. If it, I've got one in a forty gallon in my like, living room I, I with a, a UV people, light, yeah. plants, and everything. It I literally just have people fight me that that's too much space for a ball python. <laughs> Oh my god, dude! These dogmas are killer. They're yeah. absolutely awful. It, They're it so tragic to the to that article you that feel... I sent into the NPR chat last week. Yeah, yeah. folklore husbandry. It's it's a plague. It's so pervasive. It's pervasive. Does it get exhausting? I, I mean, like, okay. Yeah. So I think my thought would be that you know, take it ten years ago, right? Yeah. There wasn't a ton of podcasts. There wasn't a ton of YouTube content. There wasn't a ton of, the, you know, Facebook really wasn't a thing. There wasn't like there was still the Internet and forums and stuff like that. But like mm -hmm. why I don't understand why if people are taking the time to put out the information, I guess it's just they're not exposed to the right people. Yeah, I, 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 I guess I think yes. that. The only thing that gets exhausting to me is when people aren't listening. I have no issue at mm -hmm. all, like mm -hmm. sharing what my knowledge is at the moment, which of course mm -hmm. I'm always still evolving and learning and soaking up as much as I can, but I can help people that are starting from ground zero, you know? Um, right. But uh, level zero, I should say. Um, what was I going to say? Do, 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 do. I think that the misinformation comes a lot from Facebook groups like Riley's talking about, but also just the cookie cutter care sheets. Mm. Um, 
And people don't look for information in the right places because the right places aren't always the most accessible. Mm -hmm. And if somebody's just looking for their first reptile and they have no knowledge, they're probably not going to go first to like a three hour podcast from an expert, you know, unfortunately I know I didn't, I landed there eventually, but no, unfortunately they go to wherever they can make the the easiest mistake. They'll come to, they'll come to a specialty shop like us. They'll get responsible keepers that tell them appropriately what to buy, how to keep it. And they'll be like, that's too expensive and too complicated. They won't like that answer. They'll go to the big box chain, get the little kit that's right there by the turtle or whatever that the associate who reads something off a laminated placard from their corporate employee up in New York somewhere who's never looked at a reptile sent them that they have to follow. I can't help but think, too, that a lot of these ideas maybe stemmed from a little bit of a, a corporate capitalist situation where feeding a snake more means you're selling more feeders, which means you're getting the customer back in the store more often. So your snake should eat twice a week. Keep coming back. You know, it's like, I'm sure that there is an element of that. Sure. Um, I'm positive. There's an element of that because I've had past employers tell me to not tell people that their snake only needs to eat four times a year. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. You know, I, 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 since I have now uh, bug eaters, every once in a while I'll go to the local PetSmart and um, get some crickets. And when I'm standing in line for crickets, the conversations I hear just like sort of like, like I don't know. I'm just like, what? <laughs> Wait, what? Dude, it's bad. It's bad. It's really sad sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, ah. Yeah, I, you know, I feel like, I don't know what, so let me ask this question again from the retail side of it. Do you find that more people are, um, I guess from my generation of reptile keepers, eighties and nineties, as we grew up, it was all about, you know, uh, well, we really didn't have the knowledge, right? I mean, we were sort of learning as we were going and, you know, you think of, uh, Rob brought up hot rocks earlier and, um, you know, things like this, that at the time you thought we're cutting technology, you know, and really turns out that the whole idea is just kind of, I mean, the idea, I guess itself kind of makes sense, right? If a lizard is basking out on a, on a, on a rock, it's going to be absorbing that heat from above as well as below, or mm-hmm. like, that's yeah. why snakes go to a pavement or, you know, a, a, a paved road at night to absorb yeah. that heat. Well, at least that's what the thought is, right? You know, the right. problem um, is the problem is very few people, very few people within reptiles. And that that stems from the people of one to the people of one thousand. Mm-hmm. A very small percentage of those people understand how heating elements actually work and how Correct. to properly maintain and manage and gauge them. And so people burn their animals they they do things and it's not intentional but like that product just happened to be very problematic and it the fact that it's still in existence and made and a kid brought it up in the shop the other day i was like you're eight years old why do you know what a hot rock is you've been spoiled (laughs) no no we don't sell those get out of here right heat pad under tank heat pad (laughs) yeah i think like um I, I think the the you know I, I 
I think back to, again, when, when I was there at Luke's place and we were looking at the IJs and I think that I, I should have said this first, but like the conversation I was having with him was, I was like, well, I notice all my snakes are sort of like, and at this point I had all young snakes, like year, maybe, maybe a year and a half, but you know, small snakes. And they were all sort of pressed up against the front of, you know, the tub. And I'm kind of thinking like, that just doesn't seem right. It doesn't look right. Something's wrong. Something's off. So I was talking to him and he was sort of saying, well, try adjusting the heat. And when I did that, again, it's not following to you got to your guy's point, right? It's not following a something you can hand people and say, here you go. This is right. the directions. You know, this right. is what you do. The recipe. Um, <laughs> and I noticed the behavior change, you know? Yeah. So it's yeah. sort of like, I sort of like Zach's approach to to the or Dr. Loafman, you know, his whole approach to uh, to the uh, evidence based herpticulture type yeah. of keeping and stuff. And um, I kind of feel like I don't know. I, I maybe it's just in my bubble that it seems like people are are accepting the idea that to have less and have a more elaborate setup um i i was thinking on your video riley where lisa set up with her white lips like mm. what was the uh the plant she had in the jar i can't remember what they were called but yeah she had she it just... like at at the bottom of the thing oh, what yeah. the hell were they called with a bit but anyway just she had the begonias was... she had the begonias that was yeah. in uh that was in a beauty snake enclosure that thing looked like a freaking greenhouse and then there were just snakes living in it i was like good lord that's amazing right yeah, 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 dude! You open was, the door and you feel the humidity. The humidity, like, right? Yeah, I was like, oh, that's yeah. awesome. She literally just she made that enclosure herself too. Like she was like, "Don't judge me." I was like, "Judge you? This is amazing!" Like, yeah, she was like talking about her craftsmanship. It was like, "Who cares? Look at this thing!" Like, yeah. it was, yeah. oh, dude, like a, the trough was like that deep and just planted and. And then she had the 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 hides on the wall, and I was like, "That's ingenious," you know. Like, and she's yeah. like, "Oh yeah, the snakes use them all the time." And then yeah, one of the the male was under a potted plant that had like, you know, oh, dude, it was super cool. Lisa does yeah. a great job with her animals, and I'm sure it's no accident that she produced the the white lips. You know, she pays yeah. attention to right. them, she treats them all right. well, and I'm really yeah. excited she has my aru because <laughs> I think she's gonna produce them. <laughs> Yeah, that great. aru has been eaten pretty well and breeding with her male yeah. aru, I know. Uh, I, who I saw, and she looked good, dude. She looked real thick. She looked happy. She looked. Yeah. No, I mean that's exactly where I would want that snake to be. I love that snake. Lisa's yeah. a, a great keeper. So yeah, yeah. It's it's it. You know that's that's such a good point about the humidity, right? That was something that I noticed in Australia, right? You could mm -hmm. you could feel that. When you said that, I immediately thought of what it felt like to get out of the car where that carpet python was. Mm -hmm. When you got out of the car, you just felt it. You know, it was like a wall of humidity. Yep. You're just like, whoa, okay. Yep. Uh, you know, and yeah. it's not an easy thing to achieve. So I wonder if that had any success with um, any bearing into her success with uh, she's very with diligent beast. about making sure they have a big water bowl and a humid hide those are her two mm. key elements regardless of the size or style of enclosure for the male female right those two things are crucial for her um 
I don't think she really sprays enclosures down. She'll make sure the, the moss and the hide is clean and moist, but otherwise uh, she'll run like paper on the bottom. And then I think she just kind of manages the room. The species she works with are all kind of in this parameter of similar care. She doesn't have right. a large collection. I mean, she's got, she's got IJs, she's got white lips and she's got chondros, you know what I mean? And like, one or two ball pythons. So like right. everything that's in that one room, she can just dial the room in and that's what she's done. Um, right. So, yeah. Yeah. She's, she's had that animal for several years. She does great with it because she loves it so much. She pays attention to it. And every time I get updates from her, cause she'll come into the shop for supplies. She'll tell me what it's doing. And while it was breeding and gravid and everything, she's showing me these photos and her yeah. interpretation of what she was seeing although she doubted herself the entire way through was exactly spot on. And I was like, Lisa, you're, I agree yeah. with you. I think you, you're right. It's you just, read them like a book. Yeah, you've just been programmed to think that it's happening at the wrong time of year. Yeah. Right. She like, she's right. like, but it's August. I'm like, snake doesn't know that. <laughs> I, no, I, I was, I remember that I was at the shop for some of those days and she yeah. was like, I think they're breeding. And we were like, great. But she's like, but they can't be breeding. <laughs> we're like, mm -hmm. well, <laughs> well, they <why> are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They did not read yeah. the book. They did not get that memo. They, they have not followed any doctrines. They are doing what they do. And yeah, I agree. It was super cool to see that. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you know, I think I think with those species in particular, right? White lips, rings, stuff like that. That that hydration and humidity is probably mm -hmm. a huge factor in their in, in just keeping them, you know, healthy. Uh, you know, click 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 click. click. <laughs> He's getting so quick to the draw too. It's yeah, like, he is. He's doing good, man. <laughs> a millisecond to the mute button. Yeah. <laughs> The thing with uh, the ring pythons that I've noticed having known Grant's collection over the last three years is that um, they have a very, very narrow window for when a female is receptive. Like Womas, you can start early, but their window is longer. Um, you know, IJs and a lot of carpets, they have like month or two ranges of windows. But ring pythons, man, if you don't get it just right, she goes in the shed, you missed it. It's gone like that. And yeah. you got to make sure she's fat and fed. You got to make sure that male's in early, like August, September, you know, in, in that early season. And and once she's off food, you're done. You're done. She yeah. goes in the shed and that's that. And you're either getting slugs or you're getting eggs. And so we're waiting on her post-ovulatory shed right now. And it's it's so quick and so fast that it, like you just doubt yourself the entire time. Hmm, that's so, interesting. Yeah. It's, okay. it's noticeable after seeing it three years of like how we've just missed it or just been close and the results kind of show it's right. Right. Yeah. So. What's the, what's the, is it, is it just a, is she, what's the signs that she's showing that would lead you to believe that she's in that window? Is there anything or is it? Yeah. Just I mean, it's the same, uh, you know, you can see her getting ravenous and putting on weight and, and all that stuff. It just happens at a different time of year. So you just have to know mm -hmm. to look for it, start looking and feeding heavily in like May, June, July, 
and yeah. and then August in in September, that's when you want to start doing some pairing, and you got to be careful. You got to watch them. You just have to make Ooh, sure yeah. they don't go after each other because they they can sometimes like be good when you put them together, but then like if you're removing one and the yeah. other one like happens to move because the movement's too fast out of a peripheral, they'll strike in food response. So that's something mm-hmm. to be mindful of, but you really have to just pay attention and then like break and feed and then put them right back together. The other thing we do is we'd leave a messy as all get out. Like I'll pull large boluses of feces out, but otherwise like urates and, and shed and funk is left everywhere. I clean the water every week, like normal or more as needed. Cause they, they make it messy, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, you gotta, you gotta let that female, um, have her scent in her safe spot and make sure they're compatible and do their thing. But we've gotten eggs from that female two seasons that have gone the distance and hatched, but the babies were problematic. And, you know, that could have been from timing, not getting the mail in soon enough, uh, incubation error, a whole host of other things. So she's proven multiple times we were getting there, but it's not like, it's not what you would call success just yet. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. So how are the, how are the, uh, blackheads looking at the shop? Good. They are still eating, uh, retaining weight, not making a lot of mess, which is pretty typical of females getting ready for the, the winter. They're kind of the cleanest animals in the shop right now, them <laughs> and the bloods. Um, the, that young male dude, he's, he only eats like super large, fresh killed mice. Like, but he's, he's, <laughs> he tries, you know, he goes after the female, he spurs, he locks, he does his, he does his thing, but you know, it remains to be seen if anything comes of that, yeah. you know, he's in 2019, right? I believe so. Yeah. So he's two, something hmm. like that. Two, Very two and a half. Interesting. So we'll see. We'll see. It'll be data one way or the other. If it doesn't work, it's still data for sure. Know? Yeah. The, uh, the Womas are breeding right on schedule. Um, excellent. Those, those seem to be home runs at this point. They're so kind of easy. Yeah. That, that one female man, still one of the nicest ones I've ever seen. I love that snake. Not in temperament, but yes. No, not in temperament. With Womas, you don't care about temperament. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know what you're getting, right? You got a You got a Woma. Congratulations. (laughs) Yeah. Welcome. Yeah. That's I got to cool. drive up soon. I still uh, still owe you and Grant some brettles for those Womas. <laughs> mm. I forgot all about that. I'm sure Grant didn't. <laughs> well, I didn't um, either. I just, you know, Sacramento. Yeah. yeah. It's far. Yeah. We're finally clearing out space in the hatchling rack, moving baby ball pythons and blood pythons. So we'll have space. Excellent. Yes. Yes. Cool. Ball yeah, pythons. Uh <laughs> dude i hate ball pythons do you i've been getting oh. bit by more ball pythons than anything else lately i finally got bit by a ball python for the first time in my life last week and it was really? not for lack of trying and i've handled so many ball pythons but it just took a really long time for one to be like Meh. well you I never messed bit- with that uh, bumblebee clown female we have then i guess not <laughs> I have been bit by more ball pythons than I have carpet pythons. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
when I was going through and sexing like two clutches of blood pythons, I didn't get bit once. (laughs) When I was going through and sexing like four clutches of ball pythons, I got bit like eight times. (laughs) Man, yeah. You think it's hard to sex carpets? Holy hell, blood pythons are a whole nother thing, man. Carpets are easy. They bite you and hold on, and then they're still, and you're like, sweet, stop flailing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, but even just the idea of um, of you know how difficult they, or I shouldn't say how difficult, but if you don't know what you're looking for, how you can get uh, fake all out, males. You know? Yeah, it yeah, bloods so. the all males thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, they're tricky, man. But uh, yeah. you know, luckily, uh, you know, doing it with Matt. I've sort of seen some of those that little you know, hook thing things. on the end. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. I was like, Oh yeah, check this out. This is what it is. You know? So yep. it's, it's, yep. it's pretty interesting. Yeah. I, I remember the epiphany I had when Grant showed me that I was like, ah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. So. I found out that, um, that you can uh, palpate baby white lips when I was over at Lisa's. So that was neat. Just, hmm. just kill the little yeah. and they're not little babies they're like the size of yeah. six eight month nine month old carpets at least for sure so i remember when um dennis mcnamara was at my house for carpet fest he was saying that um there's a way that at the zoo i think it was at the zoo somebody he knows i i can't remember how he came up but they were basically sexing snakes from looking like and this was pythons from looking at the tail Mm-hmm. And being able to tell, you know, there were certain yeah. cues that you would look at that would, or certain, uh, you know, things you would see that would sort of. You look at enough snakes, you see enough snakes, enough snakes pass through your hands. You can start to see it start. You know, I play mind games with myself with every snake that comes in and gets sex. I look at it. I'm like, hmm, let's see if I can get this right. Just looking at it. I'm like, eh. and then I'll test myself. Yeah. And and some species you can, some you cannot. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, uh, it, it's it's like uh, I don't know. I think now, like if you saw a carpet python, right? Regardless, if you saw a wild carpet python, we would all pretty much have an idea of where it's from, right? Is that coastal yeah. jungle and inland? Is it a northern jungle, southern coastal? You know, mm-hmm. IJ. This. That, I don't think know, I give right? myself that much credit. I think I'd be like, I don't know. But oh, really? You guys okay. can do it. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying I'm a, an expert to be able to pick them out, but I'm just saying that they, you know, you've looked at so many of them that you, you know, yeah. And what I find interesting is that when you start to get into a different species, that's sort of like resets, mm. right? Yeah. And you're sort <laughs> yeah. of like, 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 I'm like, I can't see, like, what am I looking at here, man? Yeah. I, I don't, and, you know, and my brain won't go stupid. This is how it was when you first started looking at carpets. They all look the same, you know. That's a really yeah. good point. Yeah, yeah. You know? I've but, had to retrain uh, my brain. Enough, with, mm-hmm. Yeah, I've had to retrain my brain with blood pythons, with boas, with corn snakes, all that stuff. I'm like, I did. I don't see it. I don't see it. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Sorry, yeah. it's a yeah. snake here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here's no, the I, price I, you want it? I get what you're right. saying. I thought you meant like accurately guessing localities but no oh, no, no for no. sure what you mean no yeah. just i'm looking at <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> Lucas is like, you goddamn cocky son of a bitch is you. How dare you think you like, can't do that at all. You won't get that this badge on your sash. Yakapuri Depot carpet python. How dare you? And then Scott's no. messaging me like, I don't think there's such a place called Yakapuri Depot. What are you talking about? Well, <laughs> I'm like, you don't thing. know anything. Oh. <laughs> GPS that shit. You hear that, you hear that Scott? Yakapuri Depot. <laughs> Pause the podcast. Rewind. I think Eric just said hey. you. <laughs> Did you guys happen to uh, listen to the, the, the Reptile Fight Club with mm-hmm. Scott and Justin? Yes. Yeah. What were your I think thoughts? I'm all what caught were caught up on Fight Club? It was yeah. good. It was really good. Yeah. I yeah. I kind of wish that they made it a a a three way conversation and had Mutton as well, and then done like two v two. I think that would have okay. been fun because yeah. Nick feels very strongly about carpet taxonomy, and I think it would have been more like a fight. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. But it was Clearly. great. It was great. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I think it was a, a great way to set the stage for when we do that again after the book comes out and some mm-hmm. taxonomy changes. Yeah. 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 I kind of felt like I was telling Justin and Scott, I kind of felt like they had information that they couldn't share right. to sort of like maybe validate their points that they were trying to make. So it was like, exactly. You know, I really like the conversations about the biogeography and the natural barriers of of dispersal and stuff like that. It's really interesting stuff. And I I thought that it was interesting that Justin was talking about the fact that human encroachment on a habitat Mm. could then facilitate a bridge between, you know, certain animals that weren't able to bridge before i thought that was total and it makes perfect sense you know we sure we like to make what would be arid and inhospitable habitable for ourselves which also means for a lot of other things too i'm sure there's a ton of wildlife that wouldn't be able to live in the metropolitan area of los angeles if it was still a freaking desert and didn't suck all the water from up north to make it less of a desert so it's a great point yeah yeah, I like what's, what. Did, what did this say? I like what Scott said in the Fight Club that the blue tongue skinks are all the same taxa throughout Australia, but carpets are different everywhere you go. Well, I think that's. I was I was talking to Rob about this before we got on, and um, you know, I think me and Rob are sort of at the point, probably Rob more so at this point, because I I think for me the the thing I find interesting about the taxonomy is not so much the taxonomy and putting a name on the box, but just sort of like seeing how, like sort of putting some thought behind how they evolved. Right. I, I, you know, to me, I, I, I kind of like, you know, I don't know. I, I just kind of like the idea of like, how did they get to this place and how did they evolve in this environment and you know, how this is different from that or yeah. so to speak. But I kind of like that, but the whole, I don't know. Uh, the taxonomy debate is kind of like, I think it's like a tribal thing at some point, you know, it's like, this is my tribe and now we're right. And this is my tribe and you were wrong. (laughs) So exactly. And I I mean, it's one of those disciplines where it's probably fair to say nobody's right. It's all right. a, 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 you know, 
it's just human a concept of a snapshot right. in in a constantly right. changing dynamic process that you know basically it's just the monkey brain needs to be able to put things in boxes but nature right. doesn't so. yeah nature finds a way but it does make me excited about the new carpet python book for sure me too i've been excited <laughs> for years <laughs> yeah <laughs> gotta be getting close it's now nick needs a picture of a snake mite i saw <laughs> He does. <laughs> you see that on Facebook? It was really funny. He posted no. like need high definition picture of snake mite. And the first comment was like, Google is your friend. <laughs> I, was la- <laughs> I was laughing really hard. <laughs> uh, he's probably like, I hate people. <laughs> it's like, <"Arr>, smash. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited to see what those guys uh, have, uh, I've been working on for the past 10 years, you know, what the heck? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> I think that was the last question we asked 10 years ago on the, on the episode when we had Nick on. It's like, okay, so when you work it on the more complete carpet, Python, and he's like, what the hell, man? We just, <laughs> we just put this out. I'm like, well, you know, uh, yeah. that's yesterday's yesterday's news man <laughs> and he needs to put it out so he can be on the podcast again because he's like i want to be on podcast but it's like everybody's waiting for you to put the book out so that they can talk to you about it <laughs> yeah yeah oh he wants to be on podcast again i tell him all the time man he's got an open invitation to any podcast <laughs> he wants to be on but well you know, you know what like open invitations is still always want to be asked it feels good yeah. inside I You're like, oh, so. I'm wanted. Ooh. I guess I have to. I have to hit him up again and say. Uh, Riley said something. On, but he's muted. Yeah, he's muted. And frozen. Nick, Nick has to listen to the podcast to actually hear that message, though. <laughs> well, Ooh. there's that too. I mean, good yeah. point. He certainly Boom, does not. Shots fired. He doesn't listen to the <laughs> podcast. I'm sorry. Like if he if he listened to it, he'd hear that message. He he doesn't have to listen. He has his minions out of bounce. They people he gets listening. The to, he gets a report. Yeah. There's the reptile yeah. report and the Nick Mutton report. He gets it every day in his feed. Yep. <laughs> Hello. Yep. They're gonna a be like, "Hey Nick, told me." They're, they're gonna say, "Hey Nick, increase Riley's speeds by about fifteen percent if he tries to purchase anything." He made this <laughs> comment on this show. He's an <laughs> animal. Yeah. Oh, yes. If they found a Mojave ball python in Africa back in 1980, would we say it's a different species or subspecies? No, because no, they did. <laughs> and there's there's yeah, a lot happened. of examples of of wildlife that have naturally occurring morphs that do not delineate a species or subspecies. Like carpet red tail hawks. Man, there's so many different morphs of red tail hawks. It drives me crazy when I'm doing field work. <laughs> really. Yeah, there's dark morph red tailed hawks. There's light morph red tailed hawks. There's mottled one. Anyway, wow. Yeah, I never there's knew. Caramel coastal carpet pythons. There's hypo coastal carpet pythons. There's tiger coastal carpet pythons. There's exanthic coastal carpet oh, pythons. But I'm talking about in the wild specifically. There's caramel coastal carpet pythons. There's hypo <laughs> These things start somewhere. <laughs> yeah it's very true yes yeah albino rattlesnakes <laughs> however found I, in the I always find it fascinating when 
yes, those things maybe, are out there. The the building blocks for these things to happen are in the wild populations, obviously, because that's where it all comes from. But what I find really interesting is when it actually sticks. Because most of the time, like, ah, oh, crap, I popped out albino, your food, you know, like you stick out, you're right. done. But then every now right. and then it works out. And then you have two, you know, morphotypes that are actually successful. And that's right. neat. Um, yeah. yeah. Like uh, the, the black eye gene in like children's pythons and bloods and black eyed anery type two sort of thing in boas and like, yeah. Yeah. There's definitely I mean, shoot, lace monitors, bells, bells, lace. Yeah. Yeah, Bell's laces. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. I think I, you're probably what you're saying though, Lucas, is that like if you walk out into the wild, you're not finding an albino rattlesnake at every turn. However, you're finding these crazy. <laughs> crazy. Like it, yeah. it happens, but the reason rattlesnakes aren't albino is because when it does happen, they usually don't live. <laughs> it's like, right. If albino was favorable, they'd all be albino. I wonder, yeah. is do you think that albino this is a this is a crazy question but I wonder how that affects a reptile in the wild as far as just thermoregulation. Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's a great question. You know well, what I mean? Like they're they always say that they'll get picked gonna... off because they don't blend into the environment but I wonder if they have some complications when it comes to how they're able right. to metabolize mm -hmm. or deal with uv index stuff is it's all great great questions yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Hmm. it'll Wasn't definitely there... affect that that how they heat up and cool down yeah yeah hmm. there was water. like an albino blue whale or something like that that i heard about is that a thing Have you guys yes. heard of that yeah just like yeah. one albino blue whale it's like it's too big nothing's gonna hurt it but it's like right <laughs> kind of interesting <laughs> wait a minute what is that yeah oh, well <laughs> but it's not <laughs> blue it's not blue what the hell yeah oh my goodness it's a good question yeah. good question yeah i don't know i i just uh i thought you know how would that affect it um yeah and plus isn't albinism like tied to blindness not that i guess they necessarily need to be able to see to survive but i think sometimes yeah, yeah. Or like Sometimes. photosensitivity in in leopard geckos, right? Mm. Like they're it always definitely like affects it affects green iguanas heavily mm. in their their vision and <laughs> mental capacities. <laughs> what a terrible pet, man! <laughs> I hate, Dude, I hate so many people come into the <laughs> shop. Y'all got blue pet. iguanas. Y'all got green iguanas. I'm like, no, no, we don't. We don't do that. Sorry. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. So you guys don't sell anything like that at all. Like we we've done it in the past where we've gotten a couple in because somebody really was dying for one and they had them in the past. And like, we're like, all right, there's some available, so we'll order one for you. Come in this day, it'll be in, and we'll get it for them. But like, we do not carry those in the shop or Nile monitors or like any of the standard like whoopsie, I made a mistake reptiles <laughs> the, the, yes. the hamburg six pack as we call it <laughs> yeah yeah we don't do berms we don't do retics we've done them in the past and to be honest they don't do well with us they're slow sellers they they take a lot of time space food energy effect effectively um not very cost effective in the profit margin of end, end games if you don't have the market for it so yeah. but and, like uh, we, a whole bunch they, of 
questionable ethical considerations selling uh, yeah and like in the need a freaking house <laughs> yeah it, you know somebody came to us the other day and was like i you know i wanted to surrender my uh big female boa constrictor she's eight feet long and i was like what do you i don't have the space for that where am i gonna put that yeah there's that a lot of free room good. around the shop like <laughs> yeah come on now <laughs> This ain't a this ain't a dump. Yeah. This ain't the local dump. Well, that's one of the things yeah. I really love about GX3 is you guys don't just like take on things that are out of your like very curated, um, you know, vision, yeah. which is which is great because most shops would just be like, "Oh boy, a free boa." Yeah. <laughs> I'll find which, a cage. Yeah. Which which <laughs> means we're gonna have baby water monitors for a while. Well, there is that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot well, of them. I, I think that the one thing that makes me happy about, like, if you say retix or something, I don't know who it is, and I, I, but every once in a while I'll see it either on Facebook or maybe it's YouTube. I don't know. But I see this, this, this guy, he built this. It's basically like a room off the side of his house. That's like mm-hmm. a, basically like a jungle now that he keeps mm-hmm. like this one retic in. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. And I think, that's I think, ass. wow, that's that's really cool. That's you know, like, yeah. To me, that makes me think like, okay, there are even though this is just this one person, but they're they're keeping this retic in a way mm-hmm. that I would imagine that you could watch that thing for hours, you know, because you could see what a retic does in the wild and i think yeah. a couple of times i've seen it up perching it's big ass snake you know perching up on this tree it's pretty That's cool. awesome so, but yeah but let's be real we can all count on one hand how many people are examples we've heard of that exactly and That's my point. we can't yeah. fit on all of our hands and toes how many examples of bad keeping and people yep. getting in over their heads or shouldn't be getting this like the it, yeah. it's very where, disproportionate as as garrett says where did they all go <laughs> yeah you know it, it's it's kind as of a garrett says yeah you know when we had him on the on the program months ago he was talking about his drive to focus on the smaller retics and he was saying i used to produce a ton of the mainland stuff and it was like uh-huh. i'd sell it to people and then they'd just disappear it's like where did all these 20 foot snakes go the answer is is not good <laughs> well let's i mean if we're good well i'm not gonna get into it never mind the, okay. dwarf yeah, and, the, uh, the dwarf and super dwarf thing is a marketing lie and it's an absolute uh misnomer it's unhealthy it's dangerous and i think it's unethical about what's being portrayed about the size of adult dwarf and super dwarf retics and that's all i'm going to say about that okay well that aside though that has nothing to do with what i'm saying yeah, I'm just saying <laughs> it, it, it's in the same vein, man. Retics are not for 99% of the people who are trying to keep reptiles. That is what they're, I'm saying. If they're, yeah, I know, but like, we agree. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> my point is probably the amount of people that but, should actually have a retic is probably about the same amount of people that can actually do a crocodilian correctly. Like, it, yeah. it's not, it's not shove it in a 10 foot AP cage and feel good about yourself. So, yeah. I don't, I don't mean I'm not trying to poke the bear or anything, but I'm just curious about as far as the is is like the super dwarf retic thing. I've always thought was total bullshit, but <laughs> the dwarf thing is that am I, am I did I did I admit is that I mean, I guess 
So here was my, uh, let me put this out. I'm going to say this. So the dwarf thing to me always seemed kind of silly. And as far as a 10 foot snake is not a dwarf in my opinion. <laughs> dwarfs can still reach what? 14. 14 dwarfs right? can still get into the teens and still be a large, dangerous Correct. animal for the average human being. Correct. Period. Okay. All right. Yes, I agree with you 100%. So, so this idea that you're saying that it's dwarf. So for me, right, when I hear it's dwarf, I'm thinking of my dash hound as opposed to a wolf, right? So I have a dwarf dash hound that's like this big, right? Yeah. But yes. It's, it's, I mean, shoot, look at dwarf monitors. <laughs> yeah. Dwarf monitor versus water monitor. Yeah. yeah. Well, and right. in, in no way was I saying that everybody that wants a right. politics should just settle for. Oh, no, no, no. no I wasn't taking it that way. I was just saying, like, I guess maybe my my interpretation was that you were saying the 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 dwarf and super dwarf vein of it was them taking the ethical responsible route. And I, I was just saying that that's I disagree. Oh, no, I wasn't so much trying to get into ethics there. I was, okay. I was I was simply pointing out that a lot of people breed a lot of giant snakes, and I don't think a lot of people keep them for very long. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think Garrett's quote of where where are all those adults is 100% accurate. Yeah. Where are they? And that's, yeah. that's yeah. the problem. I've said this on, on multiple shows. Like, if I had to fill out an application, do an interview, get a home inspection visit, just to get a husky, but some kid can just walk into a reptile store and buy a reticulated python. There's a problem. That's a great example. Holy shit! You had to do all that to get a husky? Absolutely. And I, if you want to do it the right way, fair. I mean, wow, it, it's a high energy breed. They can be destructive. They run. If I, if they your can fences... jump over six foot fences, no yeah. problem. Oh yeah, I had absolutely no yeah. problem doing that. So like, mm-hmm. for somebody to be like, oh but I should be able to just get my 25 foot snake with no anything is, is I mean, we know, we know how big an Apodora can get, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. A, a dwarf retic can get that big or bigger. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I'm not saying that people can't do yeah. what they want. I'm just saying people should do what they want correctly. And if they can't do it that way, then maybe you should try wanting something different or adjust your situation. Right. Oh, he lives in Cal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I see what he's saying. Well, yeah, Robert there's that said, too. Oh, well, live- the reason yeah, I yeah. had to go through all those, though, is that I got my my dog from a rescue that specializes in northern breeds. It's just huskies, malamutes, stuff right. like that, because there is such, just like with giant snakes, there's an epidemic of people that uh-huh. get the little baby huskies, mm-hmm. like, especially when Game of Thrones was big because they wanted oh, the like, wolf God. or whatever. And oh yes. Nobody knows what they're getting into, and then they can't take care of it, and then the shelters are just flooded. So, like this organization literally just goes to shelters and rescues huskies that right. people irresponsibly got when they were cute and small and then couldn't deal with. So, like the right. worst thing that this place could do is just give it to somebody else that can't take care of it. So, like all right. those steps are to make sure that this is the last stop in that animal's life. Because mm-hmm. man, sure. Like, what yeah, a terrible uh-huh. roller coaster to be on. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 I, I, if, well, I guess I, I, I guess I'll, you know, I've always wanted a Husky. I love them. I thought that they, to your point, right. Visually first, they attracted me because the, you know, the blue eyes and the, the yeah. you know, they look like a wolf, They're you know, that whole They're type stunning. of thing. Yeah. Right. Amazing animals. Um, 
But uh, the more I researched them before I got them, I was like, mm, nope, this is not yeah. the dog for me. No, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Exactly. You know, so. Exactly. Yeah. It's and not as much as everyone. I wanted it, you know, I, I, I didn't jump into it because I knew that it would not be good for either one of us, you know. Which is why I will never have a retake, but I can deal with the husky, <laughs> right? Because I like to run, yeah. so right, it works. So every day, do you have to take the husky? I know this isn't snake. He talk, goes out at least to... two to three times a day for some exercise. Yeah, for sure. Really? Yeah. No. Luck. I mean, do you, do you find with that exercise that it sort of keeps 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 the calmness down? Yeah. And, and the only reason, you know, I've always wanted a Husky too, since I was little, but I had it in my head that I wasn't going to be able to. The only reason I got this particular dog is because he is just by nature, a very chill Husky, no destructive behaviors, you know, like he's a lap dog when he's inside, but then that other side of him comes out as soon as you leave the house. And, uh, you know, he, he gets Husky crazy. Can't be off leash would definitely run away, tries to eat every squirrel cat moving objects uh-huh. inside. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. but but again you know it, it, i guess all of that to say to uh, to apply it to our reptile theme right it's like you should know what you're getting into and yeah. be responsible with your choices when it's a living creature it's you know it's not a oops the t-shirt didn't fit give it to goodwill it, it's a it's a living animal <laughs> so i think that's sort of where we started right that's where we started the whole thing where yeah. you should yeah. kind of like research the animal that you're kind of getting into and kind of yes yeah not just yeah i wish yeah. reptiles weren't like that kind of purchase you know but it, they shouldn't be most animals aren't yes. it's, yeah it's the strange oh, yeah thing. just even animals in general right you know yeah. it's like yeah. And I think uh, you think that the the price tag on those things make them a more disposable pet, you know? Well, on on reptiles. Yeah, you I mean like if you're spending ten bucks, it's a lot easier to sort of say, nah. Oh yeah, yeah. people disregard yeah. it entirely. They treat it like an inanimate object. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you hear it all the yeah. time. Oh well, get that one. It's only thirty bucks. Yeah, exactly. What's your and- cheapest snake? Oh, it's just a $10 fish. Like, And that's what? where I think a lot of our, our like colloquial vocabulary, like a lot of our verbiage can be damaging when we talk about things as hobby and collection, you know, like it's, it, that's, it's not stamps, you know, <laughs> like I know right. we're all just used to it at this yeah. point, but when I was first yeah. getting into this, I always thought that was the yeah. weirdest freaking thing. I was like, what? Like, <laughs> you know, all the years of doing NPR, uh, that has come up a lot, you know, like with me and Owen is like using specific verbiage and trying to get the verbiage right to sort of, um, influence the hobby in a, in a way that, you know, cause I'm with you. It's like collection is kind of like, I, yeah. I get why we say that, you know, but it's horse people your, don't say their, their collection of horses, you know, it's like, yeah. Yeah. So what would be the, what do you guys think? Do you have a thought on what would be? I just tell people my uh, miniature private zoo. Colony? (laughs) My population. Population, colony. uh, Yeah. Yeah. I like the private zoo thing. That's pretty cool. (laughs) That's what it is, right? There's a lot less explaining. I'm just like, yes, I I maintain a small private zoo. (laughs) Yeah. 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 
Yeah. Huh. I have I a large know. population of reptiles in the spare bedroom of my place. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm not saying there's right. better verbiage, but I'm just saying we do use words that are in line no, you're with right. inanimate objects. <laughs> no, you're right. 100%. Yeah. But yeah. I think that that, I think, you know, I don't know, maybe we should, you know, sort of like think about that and sort of. I, I, I also think it's that. I think it's a generational thing that's going to take time to slowly weed out because reptile keeping is over time yeah. becoming less and less novel, but there are still plenty of people that are around today that find it obscure, bizarre, even if their kids or people in their family are in the generation where it's normal. And so they're sort of crossing that boundary. You see it all the time. It's still very pervasive. They don't, they don't have the same approach to a dog and a cat, but dogs and cats are, you know, cheap if you get them from the pound or something like that. Uh, you know, if you're not going for a crazy breed, but those things are treated like the family, you know, um, the end exactly. of it, photo albums and weddings, you know, I, people dude, mourn them. All of these yeah. And, <laughs> and so that's a little bit different, but we also connect with those animals differently because they have a little more of this like outward expressive, behavior and emotion that is more relatable than most of our reptiles and so you know it's it's bridging that gap between the older generations that haven't been brought up normalized around this like we have mm -hmm. yeah right yeah for sure so i think it yeah. just takes time you know in 50 years the the third fourth or fifth generation after us of people who are having kids it'll be like you know reptiles won't be one in every 20 household would be like one in every five households so yeah, yeah certainly and i don't know at least you know we we talk about the retail side of things i try to really instill upon people to have a mentality that is not like collecting inanimate objects that are disposable you know it's like yeah pretty much whenever i'm doing an animal sale the first thing that i say is like you're gonna have this for 20 years if you do everything right 30 years if you do everything right you know that right and they're like mm -hmm. sometimes you get the great response like oh yeah i hope i have it for 40 and then other times you're like you get the the silence like just shut up and sell me the snake response and you know it bums me out yeah i think though I don't know. Again, maybe it's just in my bubble. I don't really go on Facebook all that much anymore. And, you know, um, I try to stay away from social media as much as possible. And I find, I actually find that keeping reptiles is quite enjoyable when you do that. Now I might not be on the cutting edge of knowing what's going on, but quite honestly, at this point, I don't really care. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. really give two shits, but I find that I get more enjoyment out of the hobby with it. <laughs> with a you know talking to you guys every day or talking to you know uh, keith and rob every day or you know those people that i sort of keep in tight uh with mm -hmm. every day that you know and you just share your you know what's going on now check this out you know uh whatever the case would be and um i find that it's just it's just more enjoyable because you're not dealing with uh the bullshit but with the thing that right. that i that I feel, and 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 this is why I feel that there's a certain responsibility that I that I put on on my shoulders to try to sort of you know make sure um, that we're doing things the best that we can to sort of get information out there. Is because when I got into the hobby, I was more of a keeper, right? Mm -hmm. When I came back in, but I felt this huge push to be a breeder in order to be somebody or fit in or, or, or have somebody, you know, 
be able to talk to people that I would want to talk to or whatever. Mm -hmm. And um, I feel that the hobby is sort of moving away from that, if you will. Um, You know, it's, it's sort of moving more towards that keeping thing and sort of, you know, just watching behaviors that these animals are doing and setting them up in these, you know, amazing enclosures and uh, just being able to sort of look at what, what they do. I mean, isn't that, to me, I don't know. That was always the thing of why I I wanted to keep them, right? Mm-hmm. It's like I can't go to Australia to sit there on the on the you know in the bush and watch them. You know, I'm not that lucky. So, what's the next best thing? You know, but right. like I think the push in those early years was just to sort of breed, 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 breed. You know, that's why we spent so much time on this last breeding episode, sort of asking that question and sort of trying to drill home why are you doing it? <laughs> you know, what for I mean? sure. hundred percent. And I think, you know, even keeping animals, is like, why are you keeping them? Why? Mm-hmm. What's, what's your point? Like, you know, so. Yeah. And, and the answer uh, to that question doesn't have to be something that brings value to anybody, but yourself. Like, correct. Yes. Yeah. hundred percent. So, yeah. so I kind of feel good about the hobby. I know you guys, I'm, Fortunately, probably see a lot of the worst of the hobby. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it happens. Uh, I'm sorry. But, you know, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> one really good customer kind of makes up for maybe six to ten really shitty ones. Sure. Yeah. Um, so there is that. But the good thing is, is that you you guys have an influence on that to a certain extent, right? I mean, I know people are still going to be shitheads to a certain extent, but yeah. you know, even yeah. if you can fix two out of ten. It's better than nothing. Yeah. The biggest That's thing is if you just take the time to help people genuinely how you'd want to be helped, even if it doesn't yield a solution right away and it's long term, they recognize that and that's all. People just want to be heard, man. That's that's 90% yeah. of it. They just want to be heard. Even if they don't take your advice, like don't, you know, you don't got to like run them into a wall where like, no, listen to me. Just like let them go and just, you know, do what you got to do and then they'll still appreciate the, uh, you at the end of the day. And then if they're like, oh, okay, you were right. Then they come back a second time and then they still appreciate you. Yeah. Right. So it, it happens and that does feel good. And that does stick with you more than the, the negative stuff for sure. Yeah. So, but okay. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. And excellent. Yeah. I like it. One Not day I, I, I envisioned myself literally getting, getting tired of all the breeding at some point of all the other stuff and just having pop one carpets and pop one pythons. That's it. <laughs> That's there it. you go. I don't know, man. I'm seeing myself like with these monitors and just being like, <laughs> ah, <yeah. laughs> no, 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 I'm not touching that one. I know how that is. That's fish hook status. That's in and yeah. embedded. I've, I've got <laughs> one right here, and he's going to go to Allen soon for breeding, and then I will have zero, and I'm going to try and keep it at that. Yeah, yeah. I'll live vicariously through you guys. Well, yeah, you also get to uh, – oh, oh, he's only an hour late. Look, you mentioned him, and he shows up. <laughs> only an hour late. Stevens! Uh, Allen. <laughs> God damn it, Stevens. What the heck? <laughs> It's not this like you're guy. a podcast person or something. What the hell? Can right. I copy um, somebody's notes? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, yeah. Um. Okay. I don't know. All right. Anything else you want to hit on or you want to put out there before we uh, jump off? Or 
I'm gonna make chili. Chili. Yeah. Okay. Baby back ribs. Um. Very cool. I don't From know scratch. Scratch. No. <laughs> oh, all right. From I mean, can. I can, but it's you know, it's already six o'clock. Yeah. All right. I'm not what one hell? over here. I have no idea what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's time for bed for me. So. That's about right. <laughs> it's time for a beer for me. Yes. Okay. All right. Well. Yes. I'm wide awake. I just drank some coffee. Time to. Time to kick the lights in the snake room here and, and get a beer and make some dinner. Oh, I got to go wash yeah. my shrimp. My shrimp have been breeding, and I got more baby shrimp. Wow. And I've added snails okay. in there, and the, the tank is a whole new place of dynamic life. And I'm just like, I clean the snakes, go around, and then I zone out on the shrimp tank. Wow. How big those shrimps get? Only like this big. And okay. and I when I was visiting with Tony for his wedding, I was telling him about them. He and he's like, what if it's recessive and what you're getting are visual hats or maybe they're incomplete dominance is like, oh, Tony, don't plant that seed in my head. So now I'm looking at him like, okay, why do I have orange ones and ones that are green and yellow and then clear ones? I've got three phenotypes going on here, but they're all the same thing. What's going on here? Who's producing these? And this new wave came from a female that was this yellow and green. And I've got some, some mid-grade animals and some orange ones. And so I'm like, oh, no. It's like carpet pythons <laughs> in the water. Well, <laughs> if you produce like 60 of them, you might be able to make a po' boy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, these are tiny, man. They're little things. I'd have to produce like a thousand of them to make a po' boy. Well, They're get so on small, it. dude. They're the color so doesn't tiny. matter when it's in the right aioli. <laughs> Can you yeah. make fish tanks in racks? Is that possible? Then you could, you know... <laughs> Well, we do we do have a wall at the shop. It's got 24 fish tanks on an aluminum frame that we built, and it's it's four rows of of six with drip lines, LED lights plumbed out the back for drainage system. So I guess that's sort of a a fish rack. I guess. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Tricker. All right. Yeah, Stephen Stephen's killed this. It's all all I can't be here anymore. Alan's here. Alan, yep. we talked about diamond pythons the whole time. You showed up, and now we have to go. Sorry. Yeah, man. sorry, That's buddy. Just how it goes. You know, get some notes, take some notes. <laughs> um, yeah. Yep. He 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 recently got those diamond pythons. Now he's coming oh, to man, our dark so side. Yeah. yeah. Our dark yep. side. Welcome. You lured me in, but now it's time to lure you back. <laughs> this the secret about Stevens is everybody thinks he's a monitor guy. He's an IJ guy. Wow. Really? Oh, mm. Have him give you honest numbers. Oh, he's, an IJ guy. he's he's holding secrets. I know he has a tiger IJ that I produced. He's I he's that. got IJs. I think he just didn't realize how many he had one day. And he's an IJ guy. So, he just doesn't want to admit it. He should really be keep talking on Morelia keeping radio and not uh, monitor keeping radio. Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, sorry, Kai. <laughs> He's an imposter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there we go. Crustaceans nice. and coffee. Okay. Um, there you go. So the only thing that I'm going to throw out there is um, that uh, <laughs> he needs to check out fish tube. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm all over it. Fish tube. There we Sign go. Me on up. Over to fish tube, dive in. Sorry. It's um, a splash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um we had part one of the breeding uh carpet 
episode this past week and part two will be coming out this week. So me and Owen were talking and we kind of went on some tangents throughout the show. So um, we extended it into uh, a second part um, where we're going to cover uh, more of the, the spring breeder stuff, um, you know, setting up eggs, some of the problems you can run into with that, uh, setting up babies, getting them going, taking care of them selling them those kind of things and why please for the love of god listen to me and don't make the mistake that i made in 2018 where you think like ah, i'm just gonna put all these snakes together they're not gonna all go and they all go and then you don't know what to do with yourself because you're not prepared so yeah um yeah so yes. anyway yeah, yeah super excited I, I, coming I, out Tuesday. I have to avoid that this season myself yeah it's tough it's tough man it's tough Stuff. Yeah, I'm. I'm actually not going to breed some things this year because I'm like, man, probably shouldn't. I enjoy the one-off, one-on. I love that approach, man. One season off, next season I breed. Next season I'm off, the, next season I breed. I've never taken a season off. It's since great. Twenty oh, since dude. 2013, I've never taken it's a season great. off. Something's always hatching or being born. I'm telling you, man, you should try it. It's good. It's nice. And I have too many goals, like, too many things to achieve. Dude, I had a tone book full of goals and I threw it in the trash. Ah. I said, no, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to be a and that's slave to the tone up. book. <laughs> <laughs> I think a big thing should come across the more you know. Star with <laughs> oh, that's an 80s thing. I know <laughs> full ignorance. About. Yes. Bongs and bread man. lie. Bongs and oh, bongs and Bradley. Okay, all right, oh, yeah, all right, all right. Oh, yeah. Joe Shrimp yeah. Shack, bongs and bread. This is making me hungry. Yeah, it's time to yeah. go. <laughs> all right. Gentlemen, go yes. ahead, say your piece. And all right, uh, 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 listen to all the other uh, podcasts, network, Morelia, Radio Pythons. Um, <laughs> I have lots of brittles still. The shipping window is closing. Please, please, you know you want them. <laughs> yes, take them. Make them yeah. for me. Thank you. Buy them because those are beautiful. Those are really kick-ass brettles, dude. Thank you. Yes, they are yeah. my my pretty babies, and they could be your pretty baby. Yep. <laughs> my yeah. stuff's available on Morph Market. Check it out. Find me on Reptiles stuff, uh, Riley's Reptiles, and that's about it. YouTube, Riley Jimison, that's it. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, NPR Network. Yes. Yes. Subscribe. And yes. So. Please and thank you for everybody that has. Yes. We appreciate all that. So thank yeah. you, everybody. Absolutely. Have we'll a catch y'all next time weekend. for some more carpet and coffee. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those kind of things. Bye.